Has your local footy club had a recent clangor or challenge? Well, Amy is here to help. The Amy Clangers for Good competition is back for 2024. This year, Amy are donating $10 for every clangor recorded during the AFL season with eight community clubs in the chance to win up to $15,000. If you want your club to go into the running in 100 words or less, tell us how Amy can help your club bounce back from a recent challenge. Enter now at amy.com.au forward slash clangers for good. That's amy.com.au forward slash clangers for good. T's and C's apply. KO's got you covered for this footy season with every game of every round live and ad break free during play. AFL, here we go. Carlton versus Melbourne with no ad breaks during play. That is going to be an absolute banger. Last time these two uh, got together, well, not the last time, when I was there, I kicked three. Freo versus Swans, live with no ad breaks during play, exclusive in Victoria. And the Hawks versus Saints, live with no ad breaks during play, is going to be an absolute blockbuster. It's a must win for both of these teams. And don't forget the NBA playoffs. Gee whiz, they are going off at the moment. So many big games to mention, and they will be absolutely enthralling. Watch every game live with both Eastern and Western conferences live with ESPN on KO. There's absolutely plenty of room for everyone, so get on board with KO. Now also available on Hubble. G'day guys and welcome back to the Dylan Friends podcast. Wowie, I think I have a crush on this bloke and I cannot wait for you to hear his story. Kane Lambert. He's an AFL player for the Richmond Tigers. He's now played 95 games and won two flags. Ching ching. He's the ultimate team player with an awesome outlook on life. I hope you enjoy it. Yep. Welcome to the Dylan Friends Podcast. My name is Deborah, Dylan's mum. Strap yourselves in for some light-hearted and wholesome fun. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Kane Lambert, gee whiz. Uh, mate, I'm excited for this one. Um, as I said uh, when we were chatting earlier, if not... One of your biggest fans. I am your biggest fan, mate. So it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Um, we were planning this a bit earlier, but because of the, the COVID-19, it's it's online. So thank you very much for coming on. Yeah, mate. I'm uh, super stoked to be here. Even though it's in um, circumstances that aren't so great, but um, we've had a few chances to get together. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. And I was actually a little bit worried because uh, today's April Fool's Day. So I thought there was another curveball <laughs> coming, but... And we're uh, happy to be here, mate. Good to see you too. Yeah, good to see you too, mate. You're looking uh, handsome as per usual. That's a fantastic shirt you've got on there too. We're just uh, recording this through Zoom. So you do look absolutely fantastic as per usual. Yeah, had to put the A kit on for you, mate. Just uh, get the party shirt on. Fantastic. Mate, um, the reason I want to get you on, uh, obviously... For the listeners, we've known each other for a while. I've, the, I've had the, the pleasure of knowing you for, you know, probably nearly 10 years now. We played a bit of footy together at the Northern Knights, um, and I've had the pleasure of watching your journey um, come to light. So basically, as an 18-year-old, you're a couple of years older than me, but always looking up to you. I always looked up to you. And the way you went about it, like, you, honestly, I don't want to spoil the show in the first minute, but one of the hardest workers I've ever seen in my life doesn't complain best bloke i've one of the best blokes i've ever met in my life if not the, the greatest um there's nothing no one can say a bad word about you and to see where you've got to now mate two flags playing for the mighty tigers i don't think there's anyone happier for you than me besides probably your mother and the rest of your family and the rest of your friends but it's been an awesome journey i want to touch on it mate but chris quickly could you probably you know five years ago could you have seen any of this really happening mate first of all thanks for the kind words it's um you know, a little bit uncomfortable hearing that sort of stuff. But, um, you know, I have some great memories of you. And, and one actually sits in my mind to, uh, 
and it's not even footy related. There was down at Ocean Grove Beach with um, Tim Curry and a, um, a chiseled Dylan Buckley. It's almost like the um, the world stopped and it went in slow motion and you're carrying the surfboard under the arm. And, you know, the pecs were bouncing and, you know, it was, um, you know there was a figure of this uh, Adonis I started coming down the beach. But, um, yeah, we, we, we haven't known each other for a long time. It's been great memories and I appreciate it. Uh, the kind words, but um, five years ago, I, I, I wouldn't have expected where I am today. But um, you know, I'm so grateful for um, the opportunity I got at the Richmond Footy Club, and um, you know, the premierships are, are fantastic achievements. But um, you know, to, to be a part of the Richmond Footy Club is um, has changed my life, and I'll be forever grateful for that opportunity. It's incredible, mate. It really is, and I just can't wait to sort of dive in and, and have a chat about it. But I do want to start at the start because I think that's the way we've got to set the scene. Um, as we said, Northern Knights. Uh, one memory that is my fondest memory of probably Northern Knights and playing with you that one year that we, we had together was a couple, actually. There was two memories that I absolutely loved. And one was the game, and it was as a time that it was like the last game of the season, and it was probably Vic Metro was happening, um, it was draft time, things were sort of happening. And this is the one memory that sticks in my head and the one memory that I always tell people. Um, this is even before your draft that I used to tell this people this story but basically it was a game that you got a job to play on Tom Scully so Tom Scully was touted as a number one pick and it was sort of like you'd done everything that year you're already averaging like 40 touches a game whatnot but one thing they said I think clubs must have been saying well let's see what he does as a tagger and I think you kept him to like three possessions in that final yeah, I think uh, I don't think we we're allowed to call it tagging back then I think it might have been <laughs> a, a run with roller sucks and I remember getting um Bashed up a bit by Mitch Hallahan. He was a, um, he might have been a state boxer or something. And once they got wind that I was running with, uh, Tom Scully, it <laughs> become quite tough. But, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a challenge. It was different too when you go touching the footy for such a long period and then you get a task on someone. And, um, yeah, it was, uh, shut, shut, shut down Tom. Don't get, don't get touches yourself. He doesn't get touches and you don't get drops. So, um, that, that was a, a part of my development. Um, as a player, and, and since then I've done a fair bit of tagging, you know, at, at all different levels, BFL and, and AFL kind as well. Especially in that draft year, I suppose you had you did have such a good year, and we'll, we'll touch on that in a bit. But there was a couple of other funny, funny stories that I suppose I learned that year as, as a man. I was I'd sort of come up to play with with you boys, and um, there's a life lesson I learned one day, and it was from Dennis Pagan, probably the best advice I ever got in my life in regards to a footy club. And uh, anyway, it was one night at Preston City Oval. We, we, I used to call it to Preston City Oval because by the time my career, I was sort of playing there at Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. It was pretty depressing. But it was great memories in early days. And Dennis Pagan um, came up to me at the end of training. And um, all the boys, and you know what it's like when you're playing sort of that's footy at that age. No one wants to have a shower. No one wants to get nude. And Dennis Pagan came up to me and he sort of said, he goes, look, mate. He me and I said, look, son. Don't be the bloke that wears his jocks in the shower. Go on, get in the shower, get nude, show the boys that you're, you're the man, you can do it. So I was like, all right, like, stuff it, I'll do it. So I jumped in the yeah. shower, no one followed. Yeah, he was pretty firm on that. And, and the great memories with Dennis, you know, he's got some fantastic sayings. And um, I actually still start to keep in contact with Dennis um, probably once or twice a year over the phone. And um, he's been a great advocate for mine. So I'm uh, appreciative of what he done for me in my journey. He's an absolute champion, and by no means was that disrespect to Dennis. I'm saying, Dennis, that is the best advice I ever had because when I first got to the club, when I first got to, you know, Carlton and Giants, the first thing that happens when you're sort of 18 is all the boys make you get in the shower. And if you're that bloke that doesn't want to 
get your jocks off in the shower, then there's just you'll never you'll never live it down. So I'm really thankful for that advice. Um, something else I want to touch on, mate, is the end of that year. Um, and we're spending a lot of time on this, but I think it does set it up. The end of that year, you won the the BNF. So it might have been when you were underage or top age. I can't remember exactly what happened, but you made a speech that night, and I again, I'll never forget it. It was unbelievable. I'm pretty sure I teared up um, at it. But you sort of just spoke about your family and and the sacrifices your mum had made for you to be where you were, and and that honestly, like, because I the reason I related to that that so much is because I love my mum incredibly like with the same amount of uh amount of love like everything that i've done now like i owe it to her because she's been there for me straight away do you remember making that yeah i don't exactly remember what i remember um they're talking about my family and my mom you know exactly what i said i don't particularly remember but um yeah i think i think a lot of important things in life are connected to other people and it's important to um you know to acknowledge that and uh, you know, all my family and my, my friends have played significant roles and you don't get many opportunities to, to tell them in a setting um, that can really hit home, I guess. And, um, you know, that, I took that as an opportunity to take it, not just for my footy, but, um, you know, to develop me as a person as well. So at the end of that year, I guess that you've had an incredible year um, and it comes to draft time. So what was it like around then? Did you sort of expect... I don't know how to put this. Did you expect it not get picked up or did you think that there might have been a chance? Because I remember it was sort of a bit more, like from my memory, it was sort of like, oh, Kane's done so well, but probably still won't, mate, get picked up. Yeah, I think, I think mate, I um, I never expected to get drafted, but I never planned not to. And, um, you know, it, it probably led me on to, to what we'll touch on. I ended up taking a year off football and largely because I didn't have a plan and, um, you know, I was never told I was going to get drafted. I didn't have numerous amounts of interviews and, um, you know, I was always undersized and it's probably at a time when um, drafts were looking for an athletic profile, which I probably didn't have. So whilst I didn't expect to get drafted, I, I never really prepared for life not getting drafted, if that makes sense. What did you do in the year off? Uh, so in the year off, I um, largely I took, I took the year off because I become driven by... I think how other people define success and it didn't reflect who I was and, and why I played the game. I, I lost sight of the pure reasons of, of football and, you know, I, I probably become victim of the system in a sense. And, you know, we're, we're in the THA Cup where it's all about individuals and, and getting drafted and, and getting onto an AFL list. And I was playing footy for the wrong reasons and I wasn't enjoying it. I look back on that year and, you know, I think we, we had a successful year and I got close to getting drafted, but I didn't enjoy my football. And football is something that you play because you love the game. And, you know, as a eight, nine-year-old, as an Oz kick, you're kicking the jaw off the grass and sliding around and nothing else matters. And I got so caught up in what other people thought that it was um, detrimental to my, you know, my well-being and my, my vision and my values. And I had to take a year off because I, I wasn't enjoying footy and I needed to realign um, you know, my values and, and why I played the game. So in the year, I probably um, I probably spent a lot of time watching footy. And um, the one thing that I missed was the camaraderie. And, you know, I'd go down and watch local training and just watch boys get have a laugh and, um, you know, the, the locker room jokes. And, and that's the sort of stuff that I missed. And, and that's what motivated me to get back. And uh, I probably treated it as a 12-month pre-season. I was only, you know, 60 kilos, I think, at that stage. So... To play senior footy, I, I had to had to get bigger, I had to get fitter, I had to get stronger, and and uh, mentally I had to get better as well. 
Yeah, it's incredible, mate. Like, I, 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 to be honest, I, I sort of had actually forgotten that you took that year off. But to hear that that's what you sort of did in that now, I suppose, you know, look, I'm having a year off this year. And the, besides the corona sort of virus thing, before that even happened, I was pretty keen to, to do that. Just because, like you said before, I think that I don't know who I was when I didn't play footy because I've just done it for so long. And it's it's nice to for me now, even though games aren't on, but to knowing that I was going to have that year off, just to be like, this is who I am when I'm not playing it. Like you said, you talk about your values, learning what they are again. I think that you're, it's pretty lucky and fortunate in your position that you were smart enough to learn that sort of early on and it didn't take you, you know, it, a bit like me sometimes I think, far out, if I'd have learned that a little bit earlier, maybe things could have been different. Not that I would change anything, but I think sometimes when the penny drops, it drops for people at different stages. You can be told something so many times, but until it actually clicks with you, it's not going to resonate. Yeah, I agree, mate. And we're all on our own journey, and, and I guess you've got to be ready for your own self-discovery, and you can't force people to to find it. And you know that that time was a significant time and a phase for me in my evolution as a person, and probably going from you know a kid to to almost a man. And um, you know, I probably wasn't ready for for senior footy in a sense, and. You know, we can talk what ifs, and and um, you know, I don't like to to look back in hindsight. But there's potential if I had been drafted that year, that I would have been chewed up and spat out as quickly as you know a year or two years. So, um, yeah, that was important for me to um to realign, yeah, realign my values and and, and somewhat find myself. And it was it was quick to find who who cared about Kane Lamb as a footballer and who cared about Kane Lamb as a person. And it, it really defined that for me. So, um, And those people who cared about me then are still still in my life now. Oh, I just got some goosebumps. I like that one. Yeah. That's a quote. I like that one. That was good. Um, Northern Blues. So we, yeah, after a year off, you decided to come back to Northern Blues. So it's sort of like that was a, a transition, I suppose, for most guys from Northern Knights was if, if it didn't work out, a lot of guys went to Northern Blues. And, we could probably spend all day on this because it honestly, it's some of the funnest footy I've ever played with some of the best bunch of blokes. Um, I was at Carlton at that stage of playing a lot of EFL footy, so we were playing together most weeks. Um, the culture down there at that stage was just some of the best times I've ever had. So I'm sure by saying that earlier, um, why you play footy and getting back to it, that must have been a massive, uh, a massive win. Yeah, it was. And, you know, um, Playing for the, the Northern Blues and it went up my first year of the Northern Bullants was, you know, it was almost nostalgic for me and it was, it was a real emotional attachment. I, I grew up at the Preston City Oval, as you like to yeah. refer to it, watching, you know, watching the, um, the Northern Bullants play and I'd be there from 9 o'clock to an Oz kick, watch to reserve, watch the seniors, go into the rooms after the game and get signatures off the Northern Bullants players and, you know, hang around till 10 o'clock at night until we're ready to go home and, I always envisioned myself playing um, for the Northern Bullants, so that part was was really special. And then, on top of that, was the culture that we did develop. And um, yeah, I had some great memories, some great friends that have come from the Northern Bullants and Northern Blues, and, and some of the great characters. And um, yeah, it was unfortunate that we we didn't get. Uh, I think we lost a, a prelim at one stage. It would have been nice to um, you know share some tangible outcomes with with that club. But um, yeah, unfortunately. It, when I did leave, I probably broke down some relationships that I would have liked to um, to have kept. But, uh, again, that was just part of my journey. And uh, it's sad to see that club, uh, you know, cease to exist now. But hopefully, um, you know, hopefully the Ant Spirit can, 
can fire back up and, and something can uh, come from that. Yeah, it is heartbreaking, mate. Um, it's like you said, I think I, I definitely remember watching Preston Bullants back in the day. And I think that, you know, as good as it was, and I'd never change it, I think that they probably did lose a, a little bit of culture when the clubs did come together. I think that, like, looking back now, not that I had any decision in this at all, but it would have been awesome just to keep it as the Preston Bullants and have it affiliated with Carlton. There was no reason why they really needed to do that. I, I understand that the club was putting in money, but, um, you know, it probably was not a, a good call um, at that stage. But, mate, I want to talk about the relationship with Carlton. Obviously, it was an affiliate club. And I know you're a humble man, so you're never, ever going to speak, you know, negative about anything, which is totally fair enough. I'm not after a scoop, but... What were the communications like when you were playing at the Northern Blues? Like you, you were there. You were literally at the club. You know, there were t- there were games when I remember saying to certain people, like if Kano was on Blues list, he'd be playing every week. Mate, I think the only the only communication I had from um, from a Carlton perspective, you know, barring the um, you know, development coaches who were part of the Northern Blues was. Rats one day he told me my ass was too big, and um, <laughs> I reckon he might. I reckon he might have got me mixed up with um, Adji Markon. <laughs> yeah, I think um, he definitely. I th- just <laughs> on. I think he definitely got you mixed up with Adam Markon. That man's got the, the two biggest glutes I've ever seen in my life. No, but look, I think that was probably one of the biggest disappointments for me was come towards the end when I um when I wanted to uh, to move clubs and, and progress my career was was the communication from the uh, from Carlton and and. You know, Carlton didn't owe me anything and I could never hold any anger and resentment against any experiences that I've had that led me to, to the Richmond Football Club. Yeah, at the time, I just would have liked some sort of feedback on how I can improve as a player or, or I guess my value, what was the value that I was adding to their program? And, you know, because essentially, um, essentially we, were, we all had different agendas. You know, the Carlton was the players wanted to play senior footy and the, uh, the Northern Blues players, VFL players, wanted to play VFL footy, but we had to come together and and we had to, to work towards a common goal. And I just didn't feel like uh, we were valued enough at, at VFL level. Uh, and I know all the people involved, and you know Webby at the time was a coach, and Gary O'Sullivan and Steve Bay were all all great people. Uh, but I just didn't think I could develop another year at that footy club. I, I needed a different set of eyes. I needed uh, fresh ideas. I needed new people around me and um, you know, I don't hold any anger and resentment to Carlton at all, at all. They didn't, they don't owe me anything. Um, it would have been, it would have been nice, but um, I'm, I'm completely understandable why. Yeah, and, and like you said earlier, mate, I think that this is just a part of your story. I sort of think you're the sort of guy that the more you get said no to, the more you just feed off it, and the more hungry you get. Like I feel like sometimes, as crap as it was all those times, you just wanted to be said no to because you wanted to prove them wrong. Um, in saying that as well, I, I definitely feel, you know, how it would have been for a VFL affiliate player in a, in a program. I know there is that still at the moment um, today, that you know, that those affiliate, affiliated teams, because it must have been so frustrating having AFL players that will no doubt get right away. So you can have a guy that's been picked up, you know, he might have just got drafted and then there might be some seasoned VFL player and these guys are getting picked over them. Did that probably was one of the reasons the move to Williamstown came about? Yeah, it was. And, and one of the defining, defining moments was um, I'd, I'd been dropped one week and you know, I was a consistent uh, senior player. At that you got dropped? 
Yeah, there was. Um, yeah, I think there's about 20 listed players come back, and uh, there was a room for only you know the skippers and and whatnot. And, and I was dropped, and, and I, I knew oh that God. that's the system and that's how it worked. I think the most disappointing thing was that I um you know, I hadn't had any contact from from teammates at the time, and and again just to know your value and said you know we're we're sorry you're not in the team, but you know you're still a valuable part of this footy club, and you just felt a little bit alone and. Yeah, at the time at Williamstown, for a number of years, they approached me to, to come across. But I wanted to go to a place where we were all sharing a common goal and we all believed in the same thing and had the same agenda. And I, I moved to Williamstown because they were going standalone and I wanted to be a part of a, um, almost like a local club feel. And, you know, there's, I've seen it from the other end now as a, as a listed player and, and the VFL boys who, They've missed out on grand finals at Richmond because there's been distant you know, AFL listed players, and I try to make a conscious effort to, uh, you know, con- connect with those boys and and make them feel valued at the footy club. And you know, I guess all you can do is be transparent, and um, it's a it's a tough tough caper the the aligned the aligned clubs, and um, you know, I feel for the coaches who who become close with all the players, and you know, the program it's it, it's a program, it's a development, and it's and it's tough for for VFL listed players at times. Yep, I totally agree on that. It's a it's it's a it's a system that they're probably never going to be able to get right because, like you said, the goals are so different for each and every person that's playing there. Um, in saying that though, Williamstown, coming from my point of view, when I was playing VFL, there was literally no team I'd probably rather not play than Williamstown, um, especially away. They just had this fortress like down there i can't even remember the grounds i've tried to blank it out because it's just horrific it's got the the windiest muddiest ground like you said it's a local footy feel the blokes there are just tough as nails they always just wanted to beat the crap out of any bloke on an afl list and you know nine times out of ten they did and when i when i finished up playing at carlton and giants and i was you know considering going back into the vfl it was always for me that option to play vfl and i always wanted to do a standalone team um i got in touch with andy collins at the time and that was always something that was on the radar um but i ended up getting another opportunity at the giant so it didn't sort of work out but what was he like as an operator down there well he's one of the greats and um again he's another one who i keep in regular contact with and he has a um he has the innate ability to get the best out of um individuals and, and teams and actually talking about that williamstown thrives off you know the poor conditions and you know, belting up sides and, and that's the way Colo approached his coaching and approached, um, you know, his own footy. And he's very wise. He's ahead of his time and, you know, he's still talking today and, and you learn so much off him. So Colo's a, a very good operator. Um, yeah, I, I think he'd be great at an AFL level. I'm not sure if that's what his um, his motivations are, but uh, he's doing a great job at that footy club. And, you know, he's another one I'm grateful to come across and he's been a key con- contributor to my journey as well. How did it work there, mate? So you're playing at Williamstown and obviously having a fantastic year. What was the progression to get to Richmond? Were you in contact throughout the year? Was there any other teams involved? Um, how did it all work out? I'd love to answer that question. To say that I had a lot of contact and meetings after meetings, but yeah, you know, the truth is I didn't have any. I didn't have um, contact from one club whatsoever. Really? I um, I was probably had an interesting year. Had an interesting year. I. I I had surgery on my hip, so I missed probably four or five weeks at the start of the year and, and took quite a while to get going. And um, it was lucky that the team was reasonably successful and we were playing finals and I could um, you know, play, in, play in a final series. And 
come the end, we, we didn't go away. We lost the prelim, but come the end of the year, I was, I was real hopeful that, you know, best mate Adam was a chance. You know, there's a few others in, uh, Michael Gibbons at the time as well. You know, a few boys, Brett Buley, who's now on the list and, you know, these boys who a chance to get on a looking list and, um, I didn't hurt anything. I didn't hurt at all, nothing at all. So, um, it was a real surprise five minutes before the rookie draft that I had a call from, um, from Richmond and, um, yeah, within an instant, my life really turned around pretty quickly. It's incredible. What was it like when you first got there? Well, they were on training camp up in Townsville. So I, um, I think the, the rookie draft was sort of midday. And then, um, you know, they called me before at Blair Hartley. And I didn't actually answer the, answer the phone because I don't usually answer numbers that I don't have. And <laughs> I was sort of looking at it thinking, this, this is a bit odd. And um, he uh, left me a voicemail and asked me to call him back. So, so I did. And, he said, um, you know, we're, we're going to take you with one of our first three picks in the rookie draft. And had there been anyone else interested in you? And, and in hindsight, again, I, I said I don't like talking in hindsight, but I probably should have said, yeah, there was, uh, you know, I'll oh, yeah. uh, take me with the first one. So we ended up waiting until their, their third pick. And, uh, you know, I think it was about pick 48. So it was quite a while. I, was, I thought it was a bit of a G up until I actually seen my name come up. And, um, you know, they said we'll, uh, we'll be in contact afterwards and, um, the, the plan was to fly up to Townsville the next day and turned out now dinner one of the boys up that night. So probably within the space of, you know, four or five hours, I was getting packed and flying up to Townsville, getting straight into a, a pre-season training camp. Far out, man. It's absolutely incredible. Because talk to me about that sort of time as well. I suppose Richmond weren't that good at that stage. Like they, It was pre their dominance, I, I suppose. You were there right at the beginning of that as they were starting to sort of take off. Were you impressed straight away when you got there? Did you feel like they were going to always be good? Well, I, I didn't really know a lot about Richmond, to be honest. So I, um, a lot of my following was from uh, from Carlton because I've, I've come to know quite a few of the boys at, at, at playing at the Northern Blues. So I didn't really know a lot about Richmond. And, um, yeah, 2015 turned out to be, uh, you know, the third year in a row Richmond had played finals and unfortunately got bombed out against North in the first qualifying final. And then, 16, 2016 was probably their most defining year and um, it was a tough time for uh, everyone involved. And at the end of that year, I was unsure going into my um, end of season review whether or not I'd, I'd get another opportunity. You know, I, was, I, I really didn't know if I was going to get another year at the club and uh, fortunately I did. And How did that conversation go? I, to be honest, I don't really remember. All I remember was saying, that no, you'll be here next year and, and that's that enough <laughs> for me. But, um, yeah, I, I had to reassess sort of how, uh, you know, my own game and, and how I was going to survive at, survive at AFL level. And, um, you know, 2017 was a, a turnaround for everyone involved. And I think it, it's, it's hard to say this is, a, this is a change or that was a change. I think it was a little bit similar to, you know, my year after I took a year off in, um, you know, 2010. It was to re, you know, reassess why we play the game and the love of the game and, love the, the footy club yeah for sure mate i think that that's seen in the way you guys go about it even today like it seems like such a happy sort of place to be um it seems a lot like obviously like the giants as well and there's no reason that you know those two teams are the ones sitting there at the end of the year um going into playing finals i suppose you became like a real integral part of the team when did it sort of come to you that you were you, you knew you were getting picked every week uh to be honest, still to this day, I, I don't like to think that way. And, you know, it's part of my, my, my conditioning, I suppose, from 
uh, playing so many VFL VFL games have been knocked back for so long. It's 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 a difficult process for me to believe that I'm up to the level and and that I'm a a, a weekly selection as such. And um, you know, I guess coming from my background, it's it's a somewhat of a ticking time bomb. And you know, as soon as you become complacent, someone's going to you know walk right over you. So. Uh, yeah, I, I probably to this day, I probably don't feel like, um, you know, I'm a walking selection. But um, I think that keeps me motivated, keeps me driven and, um, you know, keeps me trying to better myself. Yeah, it's an, it's an awesome mindset, man. What are your uh, memories of, of the first grand final, obviously against the Crows? Uh, what are your memories of the day? Can you, do you remember much or is it a bit of a blur? It was it was a different week. Um, yeah, the, the whole build-up is... Uh, there was a huge buzz. You could just sense the energy around around the place. And, um, you know, whilst um, out on the external, there was a lot going on internally. We tried to keep as, um, as calm and focused as we could. But, you know, we didn't want to neglect and, and you know, not actually enjoy and take in what was happening. And, um, you know, things like the grand final parade and, you know, our captain's run with the amount of people there, it's, um, you know, you just, you just suck it up and really enjoy it. But when it comes down to business and training and, and, and staying really finally focused on what we need to do. Um, in terms of the game itself, was, um, I remember when I remember when the you know, the sign went and posted the game thinking that what's next? You know, we become so process driven to the point that there was no end game as such. You know, we, we were just so driven to just executing what we're required to do and it's like, well, who do we play next and, and what's next? It was actually hard to, to fathom that that was it and that that was the end. Um, there was some beautiful moments, great moments throughout throughout the whole game. Um, you know, before before the, um, before the bounce, you have the team photo and it's just great to reflect and look at the amount of smiles on faces and, um, you know, it really sums us up as a, as a club and as a playing group, just the amount of fun the boys have and, you know, there was no fear in faces. It was, it was all just excitement and gratitude. And, um, yeah, I think that's what that played a huge part in us performing on the big stage that day against Adelaide. I feel like uh, when games are on the TV and people watch the game, there's always big moments that commentators talk about. But then being in the industry, I know that once it's behind closed doors, there's always roles and things that we see off the camera that are always, you know, game-defining moments, I suppose. Is there anything that comes to mind like that that might have happened in either of the grand finals, big plays in the grand finals that you boys just go, wow, that was huge, but no one would actually know that it happened? I think largely a lot of our meetings or a lot of stuff that gets played on uh, you know, the TV doesn't actually get played in team meetings, and I'm sure you're the same. And You know, um, one of the biggest feedbacks that I got growing up was that I'm not a match winner, I'm just a role player, and it's probably what cost me not getting drafted earlier, and Funnily enough, that's all we're required to do is play a role. And, you know, I think it comes down to how do you define, you know, a match winner. Is a match winner the one who, you know, kicks the goal, but, the, you know, there's six other blokes who, who ran a pattern to get out of the way and, and draw opponents who didn't get the ball. You know, internally, they're the match winners and they're the ones who, who get big kicks and, you know, finishing the goal or taking the big mark is a great great execution of skill. But, you know, a match winner is a, a small moment. And, you know, turning every moment as much as possible into winning moments is, you know, is what gets what gets held in high regard in, in four walls, and I'm sure it's been the same with your growth as well. Definitely, mate. But all I got from that comment that you said then that besides yourself, there wasn't many 
plays that got shown because I know that you have done some fantastic things on grand final day. What were some of your roles that you had to play? I'm not sure if you're trying to angle me to try to say something that you've got in your mind or... <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. I just said I know a lot of the roles that you do get sort of unrewarded. So more of what I'm trying to say is, I suppose, what sort of is your role in those big games? And I suppose it's every week, but every game's a big game for Richmond. What, what's what, what's your role? Well, it, early in the 2017 season, I was a, a tagger and I... um. I kept that. I held a spot by tagging. It sort of started on Sam Mitchell early days, and by the end of the year, I was um, almost more of an offensive player as such. And um, yeah, obviously, it's well documented that I worked pretty closely with with Dustin. And um, yeah, I'll just I'll run, and Dusty wouldn't run, and that's basically playing <laughs> to both of our strengths. So you know, he was able to do what he was, he could do, and I could do what I was good at. So um, yeah, I, yeah, it was just. Um, largely the sort of half-board roll getting up the ground and allowing Dusty to do his thing around stoppage and get forward. That's huge. I love that. Life's pretty tough right now and for a lot of people, and this can really impact our mental health. We can't always be at the top of our game bombing goals on the MCG, shaking hands and kissing babies. If you need mental health support, the SANE forums are a place online where you can talk to people who get it. They know what you're going through because they've been there too. The community on the forums discuss all sorts of experiences, so you're sure to find someone who just gets you. The forums are completely free and anonymous, and mental health professionals are there in the background 24-7, so you always feel safe and supported. Sign up now and chat to others at sane.org forward slash forums, because physical distancing doesn't have to mean social distancing too. sane.org forward slash forums, san.org forward slash forums. We care because we've been there. KO's got you covered for this footy season with every game of every round live and ad break free during play. AFL, here we go. Carlton versus Melbourne with no ad breaks during play. That is going to be an absolute banger. Last time these two uh, got together, well, not the last time, when I was there, I kicked three. Freo versus Swans, live with no ad breaks during play, exclusive in Victoria. And the Hawks versus Saints, live with no ad breaks during play, is going to be an absolute blockbuster. It's a must win for both of these teams. And don't forget the NBA playoffs. Gee whiz, they are going off at the moment. So many big games to mention, and they will be absolutely enthralling. Watch every game live with both Eastern and Western conferences live with ESPN on KO. There's absolutely plenty of room for everyone, so get on board with KO. Now also available on Hubble. Grand finals, mate. They're, they're fantastic to win. Obviously, the Premiership medallions, incredible. We love it. But after parties and whatnot should be just as cool. Now, obviously, there's an after party. Obviously, the next day you go and see the members and whatnot, but being a big club like Richmond, I'm sure there must have been some pretty cool sort of functions that sponsors must have put on after these grand finals. What's some of the coolest things that you've done post winning the flags? Well, there's numerous, but um, at, at 2017 on the um, on the Sunday, I um, had a mark on my best mate planned a, a wedding, and at the time I was the best man, so I. Um, I think they must have planned it thinking Richmond were going to be no good, so they'll be fine to uh, do it in September. <laughs> so I, um, yeah, I've, I've been fortunate enough to play in our grand final and and win, and then the next day, you know, stand up as you know, my best mate's best man at his at his wedding. So um, I know that one didn't involve the club, but it was still great to, um, you know, it was one of the best weekends I've ever experienced. So you know, they've got some great memories from that. 
Um, besides the fact he cut me off pretty quickly as soon as I got to the wedding, yeah. it, was, um, it was all good fun. But um, that was that was just great. Uh, there's a lot of people who are, who are very generous with their you know their businesses and their time to look after the boys, you know, with um, with all sorts of things. And um, I think the most special thing is to see the amount of people, you know, laughing and crying and hugging and kissing and the joy you can bring to other people's lives from playing a game and how much it means to them. You know, football has a, a great way of bringing people together and bringing joy into people's lives. And, and we're very fortunate to be able to do that by playing the game that we love. There was a specific moment, I suppose, that you really did pinch yourself because I suppose you said earlier that five years ago you probably could have never seen yourself doing what you're doing today. Was there a moment there that you really just thought, gee whiz, like, am I actually here? Yeah, it was. I think um, for quite a while after the 17 grand final, I probably found it difficult to come to terms with what we'd, what we'd achieved. It'll, it'll, on a personal note, uh, you know, where it come from, what I was able to achieve. And it, it almost didn't sit well with me, I guess. I, I just couldn't uh, comprehend. Uh, you know, you spend your whole life, you know, as a kid dreaming about, you know, playing in a grand, a grand final or winning a premiership. But personally, I never really believed it. And to be actually living that was, uh, it was almost a little bit tough to, to believe and, um, and and comprehend. So, you know, it still took me a little bit of time to um, to let it all sink in and, and um, you know, actually have the, the tag of a premiership player, I suppose, and uh, to do it at Richmond after such a long drought was um, obviously very special. Right, there's a bit of a story that came to light a couple of weeks uh, a weeks ago about Jack Graham. So obviously he missed out on the flag this year because he hurt his shoulder pre uh, in the prelim, was it? Yeah, he done his shoulder in the prelim. So was it true that uh, Trent Cochin brought him down to the rooms and he put his jumper on and presented it to him before the before the granny as well? Yeah, Jack was Jack was a part of our you know pre match address down in the room just before we go out as, as Koch Colts and. He had his jumper on, and um, yeah, even after the um, after the game, all the boys had their uh, you know had their jumpers on because it takes a list to to get to places like you know AFL Grand Finals, and um, you know without Jack Graham's performance in the the Premier Final, you know there's a high chance we wouldn't have got got to the next level. You know he dislocated his shoulder, couldn't get it back in. Um, you know he's running around with one arm playing half forward and just tackling like um, you know like no tomorrow and I remember early in the week he was a little bit optimistic that he'd be able to play, and um, you know Dimmer, Dimmer told him early that you know he's not going to be he's not going to be running out there grand final day, and you know as hard as it was, but the Jack's character he was it was all team first, and um, you know he ended up winning our, our culture our Burke Award as we call it our culture award, and uh, you know, he, he thoroughly deserved that. He's as much a part of it as anyone. You spoke about Damien Harbick there, and and this bloke. I think, for me, being a Carlton player and a, a supporter, I suppose, over the time, there was always something about Damien Hardwick that, you know, because he was Richmond, I was just sort of like, oh, Damien Hardwick, whatever. But I've got to say that I've never been impressed by a bloke more than him. He is incredible. Now, I want to get your opinion on him first, and then I'll tell you about something that sort of happened to me a couple of weeks ago, and I, I'm still taken back by it. Yeah, mate, he's a, he's a special man, and... and- a very good coach, but first and foremost, a very good man and a very good family man. And he loves the players. He loves his his staff and his playing group and the, the whole footy club 
as if it is his family and, and that resonates with, with everyone. And, you know, the way he, he, he doesn't just teach his football, he teaches his life skills and, and uh, we're, we're very grateful to have someone of his calibre you know, in charge of our footy club. He's incredible, mate. And a quick little story that came across a, a couple of weeks ago. I was working at the AFL for the Fire Relief game and I was going down the rooms just being an idiot, like just shooting a bit of content with the AFL and... We were down the rooms. All the boys are grouse. You know, everyone was awesome. And I've had coaches that have been my own coaches, and I've walked past them in the corridor, and they look the other way. Like, you know, it's it, it, it is how it is. Like, they, you know, this is like guys that I, I actually work with. Damien Hardwick, the, like two-time premiership coach, out of nowhere, just came up to me, said, Dill, how's it going, mate? I, I honestly didn't even know what to say. I like. I didn't even know he knew who I was, for one. Two, like, I'm sort of annoying, like, everyone. I'm in the rooms. I probably shouldn't be here. But for him to, like, take his time out, know who I was, come up and say good day, I was honestly taken back. And I thought, well, if he does that for me, he must be doing that for absolutely everyone. Yeah, and I, you know, I think one of the greatest gifts you can give is your time. And Damien Hardwick always has time. And, you know, it's a, it's a special trait of his. And, um, again, it's very fortunate to to have someone like him as part of my journey and, and um, someone to mentor and, and lead by example. Now, mate, I want to get into some stories, okay, because uh, we can go on about this all day, but I, I've, I've come across a few. Now, I don't, know, I don't know how you want to go about this. So I, I can either just tell you some things that I've heard and you can say true or false, or you can come clean when I say, could you be one of the biggest closet prankers in the AFL? The closet pranker. Yeah. I, I think the people who know me well wouldn't know that it's in a closet, but there are a lot of people who don't suspect, suspect me, right? That's uh, great fun. <laughs> I've got a couple here, and I want to know what you've been up to at Richmond, but these are from maybe back in the day. Um, obviously, one of the classics, Deep Heat and the Jocks. I think that was one of the boys at the Tykes. <laughs> yeah, in the Speedos. Boys led their Speedos around. I end up with Deep Heat all over. <laughs> was that Shorty? Oh, there's a number of the boys, but I think I got busted for Shorty's one, so I'll run with that. <laughs> now, this is one of my favourites. I've never heard of this, and it actually leads me to another question that I'm thinking that this could have been you, but sausages in Brett Bransgrove's footy boots. Brett Bransgrove is he's pound for pound one of the toughest little angriest men I've ever met in my life. Like, I, I would say pound for pound the toughest player I've ever seen. And he was the captain of the Northern Blues and you've just totally disrespected him with sausages in his boots. I just I just sausaged him and, and he was one that you had to be in the closet for because if he found out it was you, yeah. you end up with broken kneecap. <laughs> well, he's going to know now. What are some other ones you've got up to? I know you probably can't come clean on a few, but maybe a few in the past at Willie. I don't want to spoil them all for the Richmond boys. Um, uh, one of the classic ones I can... I can probably say it now because he's not at the size, but Blake Carousello, I used to love getting on his laptop and sending out um, you know, emails to the Myo and, and trying to book in massages for him <laughs> and uh, or just asking if he could have a few beers after the game and, and I'd always delete the email after I sent it. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> Blake Carousello was sending out emails, so um, hopefully that hopefully he doesn't take that over to Essendon, but um, that was always good fun. <laughs> that would have been so awkward. Yeah, well, that was the whole plan because, um, you know, Carrick can be an awkward character at the best of times. So I think um, that was the best thing because they would have thought he was actually genuine when he was asking for a massage. Far out. Um, 
Mate, there's a story I've come across, and it's a funny one. Um, yourself and your good mate Wombat, who I've got the pleasure of knowing, one night driving along, all of a sudden, cop lights are firing, you've been pulled over. You can take it over. Do you want the, um, you want the, the true story? <laughs> Do you want the up-to-date version of the events of helicopters and firearms? And, yeah. uh, we're, just, we're just young and, and uh, we actually weren't doing anything wrong, but we, uh, we got pulled over and uh, yeah, cops just sort of told us to get out of the vehicle with our hands in the air and just stand behind the door with guns and we ended up getting you know, patted down and searched and it turned out that we, um, we got mistaken <laughs> an armed um, arm robbery and we remember driving home that night and um, we were just absolutely crapping our backs the whole night thinking we could have ended up in jail that night but um, yeah that, that story does get blown up after a few beers and boys it's always good fun yeah there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with a few cordials I, uh, I'm, I'm very well known to pump up a story that's not true <laughs> um, bad again he might have sent this one in that he's knocked out your tooth when sparring one day. And if, for, for, for all that know Wombat and for all that know you, you one of the fittest blokes I've ever met. I, I'm just struggling to see how this is possible. <laughs> well, again, we've just been young and stupid and um, we weren't actually boxing each other. And he'd probably say it was you know, the fifth round of a boxing match. But for some stupid reason, we had we got some you know, boxing helmets and some boxing gloves and we thought it'd be a good idea if we just let each other jab each other. Uh, like a little punch to see how it felt. So like he punched me and then I'll punch him, but he only got one punch in because he knocked my tooth out with the first one, first one. So I never got to knock him back, but um, I had broken that tooth before, so it was the second time that I knocked it out. But uh, yeah, he claims that as the um, as a knockout blood. I like his mindset. Now, mate, last week I did a podcast um, on mental health. So I sat down with a guy from from uh, Movember, who's a psychologist, and I just wanted to also have a good chat with him just about what's happening at the moment, coronavirus, and, you know, I've always been really into my wellness and mindfulness and, and whatnot, and I know that you're a massive advocate of it. You said earlier about how you went away and, you know, learn a lot about yourself. What is your formula? What what do you get up to and what, what's your practices in in that uh, in that in that space? I did listen to that podcast too, and I, I really enjoyed it. It was, um, it's, Quite progressive that you know in this day and age we can be you know as as men sort of talking about mental health and it's vitally important. Yeah, I think in Australian culture we're so quick to um, you know take the piss and have a laugh and and of course there's room for, for banter and it's all good fun but we're very uncomfortable telling each other how we feel about each other and um, you know I think we assume people know their value but we don't tell them enough. So you know there should be a a weighting scale of taking a piss, but also telling people how much you value them. But in terms of my own, you know, my I guess my spiritual growth, I um, you know, I was exposed to, to Emma Murray, you know, from the Footy Club, who's probably become one of the biggest influences, um, you know, in my life as yeah. What does she do? Years. So she's our our mindfulness coach, and um, you know, the the mental aspect and. She's almost become the mother mother of the boys of the footy club, and and she goes well beyond just um, you know a mindfulness, but um, you know a well being and a life coach as such. And you know she probably exposed me to, to this area. And and as I sort of touched on earlier, you you sort of got to be ready. Each individual's got to be ready, and it's and it's their journey. And yeah, you know, I'm probably in the midst of uh, more of a self discovery and 
you know, I think in order to understand other people, you've got to understand yourself. And, uh, you know, we're, we're constantly evolving, constantly changing. And I've probably developed a real curiosity to why I am the way I am. And, you know, the, um, the mindfulness and the meditation is, is all a gateway to that. So, uh, in terms of what, of what I do, um, yeah, you know, I'll start my day with a meditation, you know, every morning and, and that's just my way of kickstarting a more mindful day. But, um, yeah, I think it, it initially started was becoming aware of my thoughts. And for me, like I touched on before, I sort of become conditioned and still a challenge for me, conditioned to think that I'm a, a VFL player and it's sort of hard to comprehend playing AFL. So it started to reprogram, you know, my, my computer as such and, you know, it started by becoming aware of my thoughts and, and catching my thoughts and, and being the space behind them, you know, and, and being curious about why I'm thinking that way and why I'm feeling that way. And then from there to, to then control them and, and put myself into the feeling of how I wanted to act and how I wanted to be. So, uh, yeah, I know you spoke about it, about you know, the, the strawberries and, you know, just taking in every moment. So I, I try to do that you know, throughout the day. Sometimes it's easier than others. Sometimes it's harder. But, um, you know, it's a, it's a constant journey. There's no end game to it. Um, but it's something that's really expansive and, and I'm really interested in. No, I love that, mate. And it's, it's a credit to yourself. Um, I think that, you know, as you said, I, I, I love just learning about myself. And I think that I learn best from just chatting to other people. And that's why I love doing this podcast. Um, I love chatting with interesting people and I think I take something from every single episode and I hope that um, the listeners do, which, which probably leads me to my last question. I, I love asking these three questions sort of towards the end of the show and you probably have answered it, but I'd be interested to see maybe there might be something else. Is there a moment that you think you can put your finger down to that has changed your life? I, I, I don't think there's a, a specific moment. I think they're all just chapters and, and experiences, you know, in the evolution of me and you know there's no doubt there's significant events that changed the course changed the course of my life and you know like being drafted I was I was probably in a, in a little bit of a dead-end job at, at the time and a little bit unsure of the direction my life was taking when I when you know when I got drafted it it, it um it set me on a new journey so without doubt being at the Richmond Football Club has been one of the greatest things to happen to me and you know it's not about you know what I get from being at the footy club or, you know, it's about the person I've become and the friends I make and the memories. And, you know, I think that's probably one of the most significant things in my life is, is one, being drafted, but two, ended up at the Richmond Footy Club. Huge. What's your motto? Mate, I'd love to have, I'd love to have a, a one-liner for you, but, you know, I think, especially in football and in life, we everything we do has, you know, means to an end. And we probably look at the end as a place for, fulfillment, satisfaction and joy and happiness and probably something the premierships have taught me is that it, it's the means, it's the um, the process, it's the grind, it's the day-to-day stuff that fulfillment and, and enjoyment and, and satisfaction lies. You know, and, and it becomes a challenge to be grateful for the things that we have when we're constantly chasing things that we think we want. So, I, um, yeah, the, the analogy of the, the, half, the glass half full or the um, glass half empty, I... I choose not to be either of them. I, I try to be the person who's grateful for the glass that holds the substance. So I, um, I guess that's a, a metaphor as such of, of how I, um, I try to live my life and be grateful for what I have and, and the people around me. I love that. I love that. That's good. Mate, um, 
what's next? What's what's next for you? What's goals? What do you want to get out of the rest of the year? I know we're in sort of unusual circumstances at the moment, but um, I'm sure you can flip the script into into a positive somehow. Yeah, of course. It's, it's difficult to plan what's next when things are, are changing very quickly. But, um, you know, for the time being, we're just trying to stay connected as we can with, um, you know, friends, families and, and teammates and, and making people still feel like they belong. You know, there's a lot of people out there who are losing jobs and, and somewhat probably feel like they're losing their identity. So so being there for those type of people and, and also, um, you know, this is a time to probably, again, learn more about myself and, you know, it's almost a little bit of an insight into life without football and, um, you know, with, with a little bit of a comfort that football should return. But, uh, you know, it's an opportunity to, um, to explore some things that I wouldn't necessarily uh, explore if footy was here, but also, you know, stay fit and ready and prepared for that when that does come around. And I suppose being a VFL player in the, in the past and having that balanced lifestyle has taught you to do that. You've obviously started a bit of a business now. You got spruced, you and... You and Nathan Broad running the the best vintage fashion label online, which I'm absolutely just dying to get my hands on some product. The, the only thing is, mate, it just keeps selling. It just keeps selling too quickly. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think you've been a bit generous there, but uh, no, it's it's a bit of fun. And you know, metaphorically, it's probably you know sums me and Broadie up. We're both you know rookies and uh, mature age recruits and, and recycled players. And you know, the products we sell are somewhat recycled, but. Um, well, they are recycled, they're secondhand, and you know it's um, it's a little bit ironic that Brody's selling T-shirts when he can't keep his own on. But he's got a good uh, rig, no, though. He's, a he's got a fantastic uh, chassis. <laughs> I'll just let that one go. Yeah, I don't want to give him any more reason to keep his take his shirt off. But uh, no, he's a great fella. He actually, um, him and his partner Taylor, randomly dropped uh, some treats off at the back of my house the other day. So it's um, very grateful for people like that, and, and you need people like them in your life, and. You know, hopefully we can take the business to um, to be able to help the community as such. And, you know, we've got some, some plans that hopefully we can uh, expand in, into that space. But for now, it's, um, you know, it's a bit of fun. We're both learning a lot about business and about each other and, um, you know, where it goes, we're not too sure. But uh, for the time being, it's, it's great fun. Oh, well, whatever it is, mate, with your mindset and, uh, and the way you go about it, I'm sure it's going to be a success uh, like everything else you do. Uh, mate, I actually can't thank you enough for coming on the show. Um, as I said earlier, mate, I'm not just saying this. Uh, one of my most respected people that I've ever ever met in my life. So I absolutely love what you're doing. Um, I'm a massive fan. Um, blessed to call you a mate, and uh, thanks again, my man. Thanks, Bucks. It was uh, it was a pleasure to see you and a pleasure to be here. I um, I look forward to catching up when we're allowed to at some point and, and having a laugh with a beer. Maybe we can uh, maybe we can get Hot Dog Steak McBean down too. Or, uh, I'd love to see him as well. I hope he's listening. Oh, I'm sure he will be listening. He's he's a very big fan of the show. Um, he still wants his own episode, but for all those wondering, Jake McBean, my old housemate, he is one of the funniest blokes ever meet, but as soon as you get the camera up there, he just shrivels. He has absolutely no... He just crumbles like like he does when he plays footy. He talks a lot at training. He thinks he can do a lot of good things, but game day comes, and boy oh boy, he just goes absolutely missing. Yeah, mate. I um, I have a great story of him on a footy trip when he was um, all talk about how good he was dancing, and then when uh, the big dance off come and the whole hostel was watching, he uh, he crumbled and actually got food a bit. But I'm sure he can tell you that story. We'll leave that in. I'll make sure I ask it, mate. Thanks again. Have fun. Enjoy uh, some ISO, mate, and um, I'm sure I'll chat to you soon. Thanks, Buck. Appreciate it, mate. 
Thanks for listening to the Dylan Friends Podcast. The show is produced by Dylan Buckley and Luca Ganano. Richard Stansbury looks after the audio and editing. Samuel Kenny Creative is responsible for branding and graphic design. And the show is recorded at 3AW Studios, Collins Street, Melbourne. If you would like to contact my son, head to dylanfriends.com or look me up in the white pages and I'll pass it on. KO's got you covered for this footy season with every game of every round live and ad break free during play. AFL, here we go. Carlton versus Melbourne with no ad breaks during play. That is going to be an absolute banger. Last time these two uh, got together, well, not the last time, when I was there, I kicked three. Freo versus Swans, live with no ad breaks during play, exclusive in Victoria. And the Hawks versus Saints, live with no ad breaks during play, is going to be an absolute blockbuster. It's a must win for both of these teams. And don't forget the NBA playoffs. Gee whiz, they are going off at the moment. So many big games to mention, and they will be absolutely enthralling. Watch every game live with both Eastern and Western conferences live with ESPN on KO. There's absolutely plenty of room for everyone, so get on board with KO. Now also available on Hubble.